0: Hello, this is Farah, and I'm honored to be here in conversation with Gangaji. Gangaji is a spiritual teacher who has a very simple message, and that is to shift the allegiance of the activities of the mind to the eternal presence of our being. In 1990, she traveled to India to meet her teacher, Sri Harilal Punja, also known as Papaji, and that experience facilitated the recognition of the true self. and it's with this message, the recognition of the true being of who we are, that she travels around the world and facilitates that experience with others. So wonderful to have you here.
1: Mm, Thank you, happy to be here.
0: So I'd like to start off by asking about the experience of inner freedom. If Mm. you can speak about what that experience is like and how important it is, especially in modern day, where mm. there's so much turmoil? Mm.
1: Well, that's a very good question. <laughs> How to describe the indescribable is my challenge. It, it's it's not suffering. And when people hear me say not suffering, there's often a some, an assumption that it means I'm not angry, or I'm not sad, or I'm not mad about something. But... It's not emotional, it's deeper than the emotions, so that actually all the emotions can pass by. It's a recognition of being home, that you are actually home in your own skin, in your own heart, in your own being. Because I think most of our lives we are searching for home, for a completion. And we do get glimpses, we have great moments, but this is a recognition that that is in fact. The truth of who I am, and so it's not subject to loss or gain or disruption, really.
0: Can you tell us a little bit about the encounter you had with your teacher and the the milestone in your own mm. in your own journey? Mm.
1: yes. Well, I was, uh, before I met him, I was praying for a true teacher. I had had lots of spiritual experiences and some good spiritual practices, and I was sometimes a good practitioner and sometimes less than good. And I had had experiences of expansion and openness and clarity about home and the truth of myself, but they always seemed to pass as all experiences do. And I would be left with this identity of suffering, of the sufferer. So I prayed for a teacher and then miraculously, through a series of very unusual circumstances, I ended up meeting Papaji in India. And when we met, I actually knocked on his door. I was with my husband, Eli, and knocked on his door and he opened the door and he said, welcome, welcome, come in. And I saw something in that moment, maybe that's the most important moment. I saw this being and I heard this welcome. And so I relaxed and I let myself be welcomed. And he then asked me, what what do you want? What are you doing here? Why did you travel to India to meet me? And I said, I want to be free, because I was defining myself as someone who was imprisoned by her own personality, her own life story, her her moods, the circumstances of her events, and I felt that I was bound to her. And he said, great, wonderful. So I next said, well, tell me what to do. (laughs) How do I get free? And he said, you stop everything. So, since I had been a spiritual practitioner, and I had spent some time in the Zen practice, I assumed I knew what he meant about that, so I got very still in a meditative posture, and probably closed my eyes, and just let my breath settle, And he said, no, 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 stop that too. So it threw me deeper into this potential of really stopping the forward thrust of trying to get something to set me free. Because that in itself is already a split between who you are and and who you think you are. And so when he was saying stop that too, I just fell into a, a deep peace, but it was a peace that was conscious of itself as inseparable from anything that I might objectify, like objectifying myself as her suffering or objectifying myself as you, a different person. So I was released in that moment from the objects in my life. I was just left with this I think Ramana Maharshi says, I, I. So it's I experiencing and seeing in experiences and what looks like separation oneself, really home. And of course that got challenged later by him and just by circumstances of life and and in the willingness to meet the challenge without trying to run away from it, or fight it, or make peace with it, just to meet it openly, the challenge, whatever it might be, emotional or circumstantial, became a catalyst for a deeper realization of that. So then it wasn't something I had to keep, it was something that I could discover at any moment by just stopping, by stopping everything, by by really being here and being present. And he he asked me to, to invite you and everyone you know to actually taste this and see if you like it. And if you like it, you can discover it to be your own true nature, the truth of yourself.
0: How did that um, experience transform your life and your relationships and... Uh, uh, surely it did I'm sure Mm. Um, what did that integration of that experience then look like in terms of the regular experience of living?
1: Well a major
0: part of it
1: maybe maybe the major part of it was the recognition that this had always been here that I wasn't really gaining something like a more elevated higher self I was recognizing what had always been in the background. And in that moment of recognition, it was just so obvious that it had always it, it is who I am. So it it changed everything in one sense and nothing in a, in a more mundane sense. I, I still had the same personality. I have the same personality and <clears throat> same likes and dislikes and the rest of my opinion is the same. But my suffering was gone. I I wasn't under the illusion that if I changed my personality, then I would be happy. Or if I changed my circumstances, that would give me freedom. Or if I were a better meditator, that would, would bring perfection. I was at peace. I am at peace. And in that peace, there is was plenty of room for this persona that I was somehow trying to polish and and make right. So he also gave me this job to do, which was to meet other people and invite them into this. So that certainly changed my life. I went from playing the role of a student to playing the role of a teacher. (laughs) So, but I found that actually I'm still a student. (laughs) I'm just a better student than I was before. I'm paying closer attention. He said once that nobody gives satsang, because we, at that time, were talking about, let's go, Papaji's giving satsang, and then Papaji asked Gangaji to give satsang, but he said, nobody gives satsang. We all attend satsang. So if we attend satsang, we are really listening deeply to the, the truth that is available in everyone already.
0: So you, you travel around the world and meet many different people, and mm. what is the um, biggest obstacle to this experience mm. that's within us?
1: Well, it takes lots of forms, but if you chisel down into what the real obstacle is, I would say mostly what I see is a kind of form of self-hatred or a sense of I don't deserve this or this couldn't be happening to me or not yet for me which is a self-doubt so different forms of self-doubt based on I mean that I'm not saying it should be oh I deserve this and yes this is who I am because that can be an obstacle too it's some belief in the the personhood as being the ultimate truth of who you are rather than recognizing that whatever your person is, however it's formulated in whatever unique ways, inseparable from that is this radiance that is alive already with self-knowledge. So it's a matter of bringing your attention to that. And most people's attention is spread out in lots of directions, with hopes and fears and memories and future projections. So it's really just the willingness to come back, as he said to me, to stop. So the willingness in this moment to have nothing going on, to have no future, to have no past, to not gain anything, and then to to recognize what is always here. Who are you?
0: It's um, it's so hard to formulate questions mm. and, and listen fully at the same time. Mm. That's good. <laughs> it's just part of the experience I'm sure that you're trying to facilitate in people. Mm. Um, are there certain practices that are conducive to the experience of stopping being present with, with mm. who you are.
1: Mm, yes. Well, first of all, I would say it's essential that you recognize what you are practicing, what your daily practice is, what you're telling yourself daily. And for many people, that is a huge shift to actually hear their thoughts to overhear their thinking, and the the power to do that grows with the practice of it, with the willingness just to just to hear what you're saying about anything, whether it's meaningless. You know, this table is square. Just to be able to hear that, then you can hear the the induction that we give ourselves into this trance of suffering. You can hear it as it comes along, like you'll never get it right, or you, you are already better than these people if it's an inflated version. So you can hear that and then you have the possibility of being still. First, you have to practice the willingness to overhear yourself. And then you, when you have recognized that you are thinking and those thoughts are determining your experience of reality with yourself or other people, you have the choice to ju- actually stop that thought. I had been part of a positive thinking group in the 70s and early 80s. So this is a little different from that. It's not meeting a, a negative thought with a positive thought. Positive thoughts are better, but it's but it's letting the thought, whether it's negative or positive, just dissolve and to recognize, You don't need a thought to be conscious of yourself. And in fact, our reliance on thoughts to determine ourselves and to determine what is true is what leads us into unnecessary suffering. So that's a a practice that many people don't even know that's possible. So that's the first thing, and I call it just telling the truth. Telling the truth to yourself. What am I saying? What am I thinking about this? How am I coloring this experience or this person or, or my self-worth or or enlightenment, whatever the subject may be? And if you're willing to just stop coloring it, to let it be as it is, I think many people are afraid that it will be blank or dead or meaningless or it will be scary. That's I felt fear when he first told me to stop. I felt like I would regress back into some person I had been before I began my search. And so there's a moment where you have to just dive into yourself. And it, it feels scary, or it feels like, well, um, how could I dive into myself? I'm already myself. We, we put up a lot of uh, roadblocks to stop the dive because it's so momentous. And it's so simple at the same time. It's so present.
0: When I hear you speak about thoughts, I think it is that what spiritual teachings call the ego?
1: Yeah, yeah, I would go with that. It's a temporary definition, (laughs) we'll see. (laughs) Yeah, because without thoughts, I mean, and I'm not against thoughts. Thoughts are a great human power. And when we think creatively or freshly, we have insightful thoughts. And thoughts that have never been thought before. But really the thoughts that grind us down are those thoughts that we have thought over and over and over. That we're trying to squeeze some life out of, but they're dead. They're dead thoughts. They have nothing to do with the particular situation or the truth of the situation. So, we, I think we have to respect our thoughts and respect that that's the way our brain works, and it is for the survival of our bodies, which is already ego, and so I don't see ego as a bad thing. It's just the way we identify with this particular form so that the form is likely to survive, so it's a good thing. It's just when it, it gains power over the experience of life, then we have to recognize where's the source of these thoughts, where's the source of the ego, and you, when you just even stop trying to get rid of the ego, because that's still the ego, that's a thought that the ego is bad and should go, There's a surrender into the source of everything. And then ego, I'm sure I still have an ego. I guess, I mean, I gave it away. I said I have opinions and moods and likes and dislikes, but it it becomes uh, transparent. It's not the determinant of your joy, of your fulfillment. So really, this is an invitation to immediate. And lasting fulfillment, which is home. And you're free to wander from home, free to go to a movie, to get involved in the movie, to have emotions about the movie, but when you know the way home you don't stay in the movie theater and and keep stimulating the pain of particular movies. I hope that's clear. That's I've never said it quite like that. <laughs>
0: you've mentioned the word home several times how is the experience of being home connected to the experience of unconditional love
1: well when you're really home you are you love and you are loved and so there's a an intimacy and i'm not just speaking of the emotion that we call love because you may not be feeling any emotion, but you are, you know, we don't have good words for it. I could say safe, but it's not a safe where you could be anything but safe. You are simply, but not simply as simplistically, you are fully, fully yourself and fully one with the universe. Then different movies appear, different situations appear, and your attention may go out toward those situations, but it's just quite clear that you cannot be disconnected from your source. Papaji called it the substratum. (laughs) (laughs) And the big analogy that is made all the time is like waves in an ocean. The waves are never disconnected with the ocean. And so when a wave, a human being, wakes up to the fact that it has particular form and a particular duration, but it is never separate from its source, the ocean, there is a peace that, that transcends understanding. That's simply here as ocean, oceanic peace.
0: Well, that's definitely uh, something that the, the world needs more of these days.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: Yes. People are hungry for it. Mm-hmm. What is your um, connection to how this piece may, may contribute to a different a different place that we live on on this planet. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, may all being live in peace. And when you are in peace, you don't feel the necessity for making war. So clearly, we are at a place in our humanity where it's necessary to not continue doing things as we have done them previously, to not have our dominance over the planet be the, our primary goal, that there has to be something that's discovered. If we are even to survive, and I don't know if we are to survive as a planet or a species, but if we are, it, it can't be the to continue the way we got here. It can't be about dominance because we have conquered the planet and, and that makes a mess of things and the mess is growing clearly. So it's a, in that sense, maybe the world has always been a mess for the people who are in it, but we are at a a crucial time, or, or many people experience it's a crucial time in their lives. And so I would always ask the question, what is your life for? If, since we each have such limited time, how is that time spent? And I don't think anyone can answer this for you. There's not a an answer I would want you to have, I think you have to discover what is your true desire for your particular life. And if it happens to be to discover home or to discover this peace, then there are certain questions you can ask yourself, or certain ways to turn your attention to where the peace already exists, so that you can honor that rather than betray that. There's some, it's serious. We're in serious times, and spiritual inquiry is a serious endeavor. And it's also filled with the lightness of being, because that's always present. I have read so many accounts of people who survived, say, being in the resistance during World War II, or being in Holocaust camps, or being in uh, in dire poverty, being afraid of bombs dropping at any moment. And they were all still able to find some release in their own, in the discovery of their own presence. I don't know that all people in those situations could find it, but there are many accounts of people in whatever circumstances. And so we are in our particular individual circumstances as well as our collective circumstances. And all of that can support really discovering who am I, who are you, what is the boundary between you and me, is it real, does it have a substance, what's the boundary between one wave and another, what's the boundary between consciousness and different consciousness. What's the common denominator? And to recognize that, then you can live your life in a way that's free. It's really that was our initial questions was about freedom. And so what are you made for? We're made for different things. Some people are made for political and social activism. Some people are made to be hermits. You can discover that for yourself when you're free, what's your real affinity. And then it serves, whatever you do, however you live.
0: So this is really connected to our, the purpose of our life and how that can contribute to life on this planet and other, all the other humans that we share this planet with.
1: Yes, may all being live in peace. And happiness—it's a—it's a huge. I think that's a Buddhist statement originally, and it's, but it's that encompassing. This is—it's not for the select few. It's for whoever is interested to turn their attention inward, and and may that spread as it does spread. It is we catch it from each other, just as we have caught each other's suffering. We can catch this joy, that is here. We have permission to catch that too
0: I um, I know that you know in the beginning you spoke about something that's much deeper than the level of emotion mm. um, but in terms of you know your, your hope or your wish or your asp- biggest aspiration for your own life mm. what is that?
1: You know, I've been fulfilled. My, my hope has, beyond my wildest dreams, my wildest imagination, I, when I met Papaji, my hope was to feel good all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but when he said stop, I actually surrendered that hope, and I got to discover what, what is fulfilled even when you don't feel good. What is fulfilled even when you don't get your way or it doesn't turn out the way you wanted it to? So I discovered something deeper than what I wanted, but what I wanted led me to that discovery. And so my life is really (laughs) in celebration of that, in the prayer of thanksgiving for that, and then, and sharing myself and my experience with other people who are interested in that or drawn to that in me in some particular way, resonating with each other. So I, I have a very lucky life.
0: It's been uh, such a wonderful experience to, to be with you. And Thank to um, to really experience and and receive mm-hmm. uh, the blessing of your life, mm. and uh, so I hope that many people can also through this um, this video podcast can also experience that. Mm.
1: Well, they will from you too. It shows.
0: <laughs> Is there any? Um, last words that you'd like to share or say before we before we conclude this part of our experience together
1: well if you have the desire to be free or to know yourself or to be true peace however it's phrased but it's something truly deep then I would say trust that that will actually lead you exactly where you need to be rather than trusting your your doubts about that or trusting your agendas about that. Just trust that true final desire. It takes you home. It reveals home. It reveals the home that you are. Thank you so much. Mm, Thank you. Thank you for having me, really. Mm.